and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debman, and I'm joined by a man who is so insensitive when he's drumming to Def Leppard he uses both his hands, Mr. Shane Reeves. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And still ain't as good as the one-armed guy that does it. (laughs) Right. And on Def Leppard, that's that's kind of the, such a cool rock group anyway. Yeah. You know, I listened to the classic Love Lines podcast, mm-hmm. and when they were on, they were just really intelligent. There and, was so there was something so remarkable remarkable about the bands of the '80s and how they were the pinnacle of what we think of rock and roll. Throwing TVs into pools, you know, jumping off of hotels, trashing things. But then you read interviews with them or you watch interviews with them and just the most polite, uh, down-to-earth people that, it, you know, with some exceptions, of course. But for the most part, it's just it was such a dichotomy that I, I don't think modern rock and roll, if you, if, if you believe that modern rock and roll still exists, you don't get that anymore. Well, you know, you take Sammy Hagar who, by all accounts, is the nicest man in rock and roll. Right. You've never heard anybody say anything bad about Sammy Hagar. The only people who say anything bad about Sammy Hagar are the people who don't like that he took over for in Van Halen. Right. And it's just fans. It's not anyone who's ever met him. Right. Hey, pick up your coffee lid. It's about to fall off the table. No, oh, okay. Oh, are you about to do something that's no, going to make it? No, I just it? assume it's going it's, to... It's, at least two-thirds off the table. I now, assumed it was it is, about to fall. It's one-third off the table, and that is done strategically so that the part I put my mouth on is not touching anything on this table Oh, okay. because that would be gross. And I don't want to turn it the other way because that's the side that touches the coffee when I put the lid on it. <laughs> it was strategic. You're like the person who sent out a company-wide email a couple of years ago that said, if you've lost your keys... Come find, uh, they're, they're at the front desk. And I walk up there and I said, are they Kia keys? And she said, I don't know. Did you lose your keys? I said, no, I didn't lose my keys. I put them on top of my leftovers in the fridge on purpose so that I wouldn't forget them. Yep, they're your keys. Put them back. Put them back where you found them. <laughs> it was them. intentional. Well, as long as it's intentional and we don't hear it clattering to the ground during the podcast. Well, we then. may still, but it's intentional at okay. least. Okay, well, as long as you're doing it on purpose. But what I was saying about Sammy Hagar, you know, he's by all accounts the nicest person person in rock and roll and he's banned from a certain rental car company because he rented a car and wanted a convertible and rented one of those metal saws and <laughs> cut the top off the car how'd you like to be the lackey that had to bring that one back <laughs> at, at that point don't you just like cut a check and say i'm buying this yeah, car hey by the way fellas here you I, go I'm, and just don't even try to return it and, and then three weeks later uh mr hagar did, do you still have that car we rented you nope it's at the bottom of a lake that's right But anyway, let's get our cigar lit because I've got a bone to pick, and my wife has been trying to get you on her side already. Oh, we're jumping right to that. Well, first we're going to light this cigar. Okay. So we're smoking a special cigar tonight. We talked about this cigar a couple of weeks ago and questioned its authenticity. I would say would be a fair... Would that be a fair summation of what we did with this cigar? Mm, I think we questioned the marketing practices around it is how I would describe that. So this is the La Gloria Cubana Medio Tempo and it's a Ecuadorian Sumatra rider, rapper, rider, rapper with Ecuadorian um, with a broadleaf binder and Dominican Republic Honduras Nicaraguan filler. 
They're calling it medium, and this is the supposed double-leaf ab- genetic abnormality that grows on the top of the plant. Of 10% or yeah. how it, Yeah. It's supposed to be a really special rare leaf in this, and we, we've had our doubts about that and all, but we're fixing to light this cigar up. And I'm going to use, if you're on Facebook, you've seen my new lighter. I just, I, I just can't. I, I don't know why. I have no I, I cannot figure out how I feel about this. That's sexier than socks on a rooster. It's, I mean, it's needlessly just, complicated, which usually means I love it. It's not complicated. Matter of fact, it's simple. And if you've got someone in your life, I won't say who she is, that grabs a lighter and clicks it a million times as fast as humanly possible and destroys the inner workings of lighters, the electronic ignition is a real blessing. So it's the icon. I'm definitely coming to her defense now. <laughs> it is is the Vertigo icon, and it has the, uh, or excuse me, Vector icon. It's the Vector icon, and it's my first touch screen lighter. And you flip it open, you touch the screen, and it ignites through electronic ignition. It's got a battery sensor on it and everything. I'm really excited about this lighter. Does it also have CarPlay? Do you plug it into your radio and it plays Steppenwolf while you're going down the radio? Not yet, <laughs> but but that's coming, that's I'm coming. sure. But I'm when Apple gets into the lighter business? Yeah, but, I mean, you can hear this. You hear that little click. That's just awesome. Do it again. I don't think it came through. Did it not come through? Hold on. Let me hold it closer to the mic about setting my hair on fire. There you go. I think that came through. And I bet the son of a gun is now out of fluid. <laughs> you broke it. And I, no, everybody here at the cigar shop has had to play with it since I got here. It is, it is out of fluid. I have yeah. rendered out of fluid. I, I'm, I, Hand me my Julius. It's right here. Okay. Trey's borrowing my lighter. So I, I sat here and talked it up for 10 minutes, and now it... We'll edit this out, and it it lit perfectly, and now, you, now you're smoking. It, it's, it's interesting. I don't know... And maybe I should have had a regular La Gloria sometime ahead of this. It's been a long time since I had a La Gloria Cubana. This tastes like a La Gloria from my memory. You know, if you were to put this without a band on it in my hand, I think I'd get in. I think I would tell you it was a La Gloria in three to five guesses. I, yeah, on the initial puff, you know, and I just smoked um, the La Gloria Cubana Spanish Press. Okay. Which is an outstanding cigar. And I just smoked one of those this weekend. I had picked one up and was smoking it. And this, yeah, they have their own style, which is good. If you're a cigar yeah. company, you want to have your own yeah. style. And, but I'm saying, you know, so it's it's obviously what they do well. It's dang tasty just from the initial light. I'm really, in, it's impressing me. It's got some pepper. It's got some spice right on the, the, I'm getting it on the back of my tongue, which is where I love it when it hits like that. I don't know, however, what the Medio Tiempo is doing. And that's why I say I should have smoked the regular La Gloria so that I had something to compare. Maybe I'll go grab one for after the show. Because right now, I can't... I can't put my finger on what's what that's doing for me. Although, if it's the top of the plant, it should be strength. Well, we're going to find out as we smoke these down. And I, and I got the little bigger size. I got the Churchill, but it's still it's probably what a fifty. This is a bunch of cigar. Yeah, it's uh, I it's would say seven by fifty four, fifty six. Yeah, seven by fifty four, seven by fifty six, somewhere in there. It's probably on that label. I threw mine away already. And all, but just a 
um, a big cigar, but looks like very enjoyable size for me. <laughs> it, it cut off after the seven. So we do know it's seven by something. We do something. know it's seven by something. Okay. So let's jump straight into the to the most important topic we're going to cover tonight. Yeah, straight in at eight minutes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm planning on going to D25. And I'll, this week I was reading about it because my wife's been kind of, oh, that would be neat, that would be cool. I said, well, do you want to go? Well, do you, what do you think? This, that, and the other. You know, I've been held up on all the COVID stuff, but that's going away quicker than, than we thought. Which is nice. And this isn't till September, so by then, September in Texas, it'll just be a far-off memory. And I'll, But my wife left out the key selling point. DE25 is going to be at the South Fork Ranch. She, so now, she told me that, that she was clued in on that from the beginning. Never, never whispered or never said to me the words, Hey, Shane, would you like to smoke a cigar where they shot J.R.? <laughs> If she had done that, I'd have been... And I asked her, I said, have we got an invite from Henry Winkler to smoke one at Archie standing next to the jukebox wearing leather vests? Leather vests? Well, leather jackets. (laughs) What version of Hopi Days were you watching? (laughs) Okay, folks. Only Trey would complain about the difference in leather vests and leather jackets. There's a big difference between a leather vest and a leather jacket. Just let that slide. You know, (laughs) is George Papard's last cigar sitting in my humidor and she's never bothered to tell me about it? How much classic TV is my wife holding out on for me as it pertains to cigar knowledge? Now, is your wife the one with a cigar podcast where it's her responsibility? to research and so we've been talking about the de25 in fact I sat down last week with Kyle Davis and and we had some audio issues so I'm working that out you'll you'll get that episode hopefully bef- before you're hearing me explain this but it, just in case um, you know this has been in the ether forever and I think it's kind of our responsibility the fact that we didn't know about it ahead of time we didn't say anything about I can, it I lay the blame at her feet and I blame Drew Estate because Drew Estate their headline should be Smoke a cigar where they shot Jr. I mean, it rhymes and everything. That's it. <laughs> they, they, absolutely. I mean, they could be making a subtle jab to Jr. cigars at the same time. Oh, that's. I, I, I wouldn't. With all of the lawsuits in the cigar industry floating around right now, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they, if they, that was the reason they didn't do that. But we're working out the details. Going to get our tickets, and we're going to go. I mean, that's just me and Glenda are absolutely going. I, t- I told you two weeks ago to to let me know when you bought tickets because I'm I'm very I'm going to need a little help. Well, I hadn't bought them yet. Okay, I'm going to need a little help securing my tickets to this adventure, but I really want to go, especially since I am so I'm reformed. You have changed me. When we first started doing this podcast four years ago, I could not sh- shut up about crowned heads. Do you know how long it's been since I smoked a Crown Head cigar? It's been at least two months. And before that was probably another six. Do you know what I'm coming around on is everything Drew Estate right now. It is hitting me just right. The oh. Undercrown 10 is incredible. And then I had that Dark Corojo yesterday. The Antonio Dark Corojo is, and I mean, it's very budget friendly, as I recall. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Well, even the Hoya Silver, the Hoya Black, yeah. they're easily overlooked, and they're great sticks. Yeah, and the, but that Dark Corojo, man, it just, it tasted like a $16 cigar. You could have told me that was a $16 cigar, and I'd have believed you all day long. It was phenomenal. So, I mean, recently, and it's funny, and I just, I was digging through my humidor yesterday. That's how I found the Dark Corojo. I've got my Year of the Rat still. Yeah. 
So with my with my palate really leaning in to this, I'm waiting for the moment. It's about that time. It's about time. You know, we were sitting, I've been on, sitting on them for about a year now. We were sitting on the riverbanks last week, and it was late at night, and I was sitting there amongst all my family, and the wind's coming off the water just perfect. You can see the lights of the dam flickering in the distance, and I fired up a feral pig. Oh, there you go. And it was just absolutely amazing, you know, just a great spot, especially when you're sitting around the fire, and you can all kind of sit there. And, of course, it was all guys, so nobody was complaining about the smoke. And so we just sat there and enjoyed ourselves. But just absolute wonderful stick and all. But I, I still hold. Was, nobody told me this was at the ranch where they shot Dallas. Wait, I'm gonna see Kyle Davis this Saturday at Big Boys, and well, that's gonna be the first thing I'm gonna talk to him about. If you read the press release from Drew Estate, they talk about where it is. And if you had bothered to show up when we recorded last week, you would have known that he specifically talked about that. So we were calculating it this week. This camping trip that w- that I went on this week has been in my family for close to fifty years. Okay, so you're this about is, you're about double the length of my family's camping trip. You think you know Bruton Branch became a state park in 1974, and <laughs> you'd already been doing this for ten years. Yeah, our family had been camping there way before that. You know, I wasn't born until '76. But our family had been camping there for years before I was born. And so we were all sitting around calculating how old my 88-year-old uncle was there. He was, he was still in, in yeah, he, he remembers knee when socks the, at the time. Yeah, he remembers when the trees that now tower over us were saplings. You know, he remembers when the state took over and built the bathhouses and did all that. When I was your age, I'd have just taken a pitching wedge and gone right over those trees. That's right. But, you know, so you'll excuse me if I didn't, (laughs) if if you didn't call and say, hey, I'm interviewing Kyle. And I said, hey, fellas, I got to knock off this family camping trip and run back to Spring Hill and record a podcast (laughs) for a couple of hours. I'm just saying, at this point, you not recognizing the the locale is pretty squarely on you. Just just wait till I see Kyle on Saturday. (laughs) But, okay, let's talk about something else great in America. Project focuses on growing cigar wrapper tobacco in North Carolina. So, this is the the crest of this article, the gist of this article is this is from the Wilkes Journal Patriot, North Wilkes Girl, North Carolina. The gist of this article is, hey, they want to start growing cigar tobacco for wrappers in North Carolina. The price of the tobacco has finally reached a point where it's really profitable to be able to grow this fine tobacco. You know, and I, I credit Jeff Borowitz with some of this with the Florida Sungrown Farm. Uh, of course, the Kentucky Fire Cured's been grown here for a lot of years. That, but that's not really the wrapper so much as the the tobacco inside. Yeah, you know, one of the big barriers to entry against U.S. cigar quality tobacco growth is the cost of labor and the cost of production. You know, it's it, that's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It just is, and so. I think you're right. I think Borowitz and, and Drew Estate and, you know, a couple of these places that are starting to use actual Connecticut-grown Connecticut broadleaf and, you know, um, Tennessee and Kentucky-grown, you know, fire cure tobacco and things like that is showing the market that there actually is a place for this tobacco in premium cigars and it can be bought at such a quantity or whatever that makes it... Uh, reasonable 
um, from a cost of a final product cost standpoint and for the for the farmers themselves you know the the previous price uh, for this tobacco uh, for for the for the fire cured tobacco uh, is about two dollars a pound so we're talking this is three times the revenue so yeah it, it becomes very very valuable but it also goes a really long way in expanding the the agricultural impact of the U.S. and the cigar market. And I think that's fantastic. Well, there is a market for American-grown tobacco and cigars because it's not been around. Right. And I also think, you know, I think if you were to take a, a, a straw poll of every American cigar smoker, or at least big enough sample size that, that you've got a great cross-section, I think you would find an overwhelming majority support buying American first. Oh, yeah. You look at, I mean, you know, I was just sitting out here literally 15 minutes ago, sitting out front talking to some guys, and they were talking about, we don't buy cigars online. We support our bricks and mortar. Right. And I think that that attitude, that's a very American attitude, and it translates very well. Yeah, and I think, but, but I also think, you know, it's the whole, you know, in addition to the shop local, it's the it's the the supporting of U.S. manufacturing and U.S. infrastructure and things like that. And I think, by and large, you would find you know, and it's not a political thing. You know, it's not about who's right, who's left. It's 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 just about the fact that if you enjoy this hobby, you are so intrinsically connected to the manual labor process. And I think there's always something about knowing that it was this manual process was happening right down the road for me, I think that means something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also, it's a great idea. This is a really good idea. Now I want to talk about a really bad idea. <laughs> and all. Tampa Cigar Company wants to sell imported Cuban tobacco. This is J.C. Newman. And they're wanting to, they have found a loophole. Okay, here's the first, my first thing. So the, overview, the overarching view is they found a loophole that they think they'll be able to import some Cuban tobacco to put in their cigars, and they're, they've applied to the State Department for permission to do such. If you find a loophole, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Right. It's why it's called a loophole. Right. Don't give them the opportunity to close it. Exactly. When you find a loophole, exploit the loophole. Until the D the DEA or the ATF or whoever comes knocking down your door. Right. Keep, FDA, I guess, in this case. Keep your mouth closed and exploit it. That's my first problem with this article. Okay, so far we're on the same page. Second, why do we need Cuban tobacco in our cigars? I've, I've smoked Cubans. I've smoked a lot of Cubans. I'd rather have a Nicaraguan every day of the week. Okay. Why do we need... Mexican tobacco. Why do we need Ecuadorian tobacco? Why do we? Need, it's the same thing. Different regions have bring different flavors to to the table, and you know we're not talking about Cuban puros here. We're talking about something that I think is really exciting about uh, the possibility in in the cigar industry, which is being able to kind of pepper that Cuban tobacco into existing recipes or into, and, and really get an idea for what it can do if, if we were able to treat it like tobaccos from other countries. If Cuban tobacco was as good as its reputation says, then I would agree. 
Well, but it's not even, it's not only about that. Okay, if you're if you're going to take the position that it's just a marketing ploy, blah, 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 you know, pessimistic chain, fine. I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I think you're right. I think a lot of this comes from the fact that they can say, we've got Cuban tobacco in our cigars and you're not going to have to pay $70 a stick for it. Yeah, sure, fine. The other thing I like about this is the fact that it circumvents the the government. The Cuban government, which is what most people have a problem with, the whole reason the whole reason that you don't want us to get back in bed with Cuba, the whole reason that the embargo was started in the first place was to not support a communist regime. I'm I I so think I think you, the embargo um, is a little outdated. I'd like to see it go away, but that's that's fine. This is buying it direct from the farmers. So this is br- this is bringing capitalism sure. straight into the belly of the beast. Surely, you should be all about that. Surely you're not delusional enough to think that one leaf of tobacco is going to leave Cuba without the communist regime getting their cut. You cannot be that. Nobody can be that naive. <laughs> There's no possible way this leaves Cuba without the government, the Cuban government taking a huge bite out of it. I, I think... That's the purpose of a communist regime is to do just that. This is the th- what they thrive on. Well, so so what's going to happen here is it that? But that's exactly the loophole. Specifically, states they're not buying it from the government; they're buying it from the farmers. So, in order for this to, in order for this to work, it has to happen the way I just described. So you don't think that the farm that they're going to say, "Hey, they're exploiting the loophole." You pay the farmer, and the farmer gives 70% of it to the Cuban government. He's given 70% of everything he owns anyway. Right. So why is this any different? Pay him in cash. Why is this any different? (laughs) Because at the end of the day, his wife's head doesn't end up on a spike. Oh, if he doesn't give them 70%, it very easily will. I can tell you, the government will have their paws all over this. The Cuban government is not going to let Cuban tobacco waltz out of their land and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you call, yeah, good, good on you. The, the people who benefit the most from the U.S. re-engaging uh, from an economic standpoint with Cuba is Cuba. We don't benefit that much from it. In fact, one could argue, unless you just happen to really love the Bihike, the, the embargo against Cuba has not affected Americans one bit. It has impacted Cubans quite drastically. So if if this is an opportunity for us to ease that relationship, the Cuban government is smart enough to recognize it might be worth because it's not the same. It's not Castro anymore. It's not Fidel. You know, there's a it's a different version of Cuba, a different despot. How do you? But you're just assuming because of that form of government that that the leader must by therefore must therefore be a despot. But that's not that's necessarily the only way communism works. <laughs> not necessarily. No. Yes. No. <laughs> yes, that's the only way communism works. And it's you know this is an argument we can have at infinitum, but we're arguing two different things. So if your stance is, however minor, this will help the Cuban people then it's worth, and that we might get a good stick or two out of it, then I'm on board with you. But my argument is there, there's such a small chance of that happening because of the government form that they have. I'm, and like, and it's exactly what you said. Not having Cuban cigars really does not impact my life in any way, form, and or fashion. But, I, you know, I just don't think, and, and I, you know, I think we ultimately are on the same page. 
which is that, I, you know, I don't think it's a stupid idea. I don't think it's, you know, I think, you know, kudos to Jason Newman for figuring this out. A little silly that you went to the authorities ahead of just trying to exploit it. But, um, you know, this has a potential to, you know, I, I want to see, I want to see relations between Cuba and the U.S. become more relaxed. I want to see, you don't, it, it is the whole thing of prohibition never works, right? If you want people to change, you have to show them. Um, you always know it's someone successful when they don't have their picture painted on the side of their bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Shane got distracted like a spaniel at a squirrel farm when a big old tour bus just drove by the window. A, a very large bus just pulled in out there. And, yeah, that, when, you're, when you're famous enough that you don't want people to know that's your bus... That's a good. You've you've arrived. So yeah, I would yeah. So I I think we I think if we can ease restrictions and start to like slowly build that relationship and and show Cuba the way, show them the light. I think that has a, a much better likelihood of working. Now I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, and I'm not even saying it will definitely work. But I'm saying that's far more likely to work than just saying. Nope, screw you, you're on your own. I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that, that any step, you know, it's it's playing golf. My definition of a good golf shot is, is it closer to the pin when it stops rolling than it was when it started? And this is that. Yeah. This is, you're just trying to get it closer to the pin. And also, it all depends on what your, you know, what your particular pin is. But I'm, I'm, I'm dubious at best on this proposition, but... We'll step away for a break real quick because we got a great topic in the back end with far, with Father's Day coming up, and we got two more new cigars to hit. So why don't we break just a little bit early, and we'll jump back. All right. We'll be back with that and more after this. Back to the Cigar Cast is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the Smoke Master General, Mr. Trey Deadman. I will take that. That's I'm I'm putting that on a business card. That's the Smoke that's Master mine. General. Yes. Well, so I've been watching. Have you ever watched Roast Battle on Comedy Central? No. It's wonderful. Okay. And on Roast Battle UK is even better. But is it is it uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jeff um, Jeff Ross Ross yeah. Je- it's Jeff Ross on the American version, and it's Jimmy Carr on the English oh, version. You cannot beat Jimmy Carr. Oh my gosh! Oh, his life is so annoying. But other than that, it is. But his but his wit is just brutal. Well, the I will say the UK version is better because it's just a little more. Um, it's a little more refined. It doesn't take the low hanging fruit quite right. as often. Right. It it tends to they tend to swing pretty hard. Yeah. But I love a roast and all because to me it's the epitome of what makes human beings great. Is hey you know I, I make fun of you every week on this show, mm-hmm. with the exception of very few because 
uh, one, if I made fun of you every week, it would lose its impact. Some some <laughs> weeks I got to give you a smoke master general, but you know, so, they, so they, of course they call Jeff Ross the roast master right. general. And I thought Trey would be the smoke master's general. I will take it. <laughs> no, I thought that would be a, I thought that would be very flattering. Now, buckle up. Next week I'm going to have a mean look. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> easy come, easy go. That's right. But let's talk. So let's talk about the media tempo for a second before we dive back into articles. You and I are both uh, going a little crooked on it, which I find interesting. And it's not enough that I would even notice if I hadn't seen you touching yours up. It, a crooked burn bothers you more than it does me. It does. I'll it, ride it out. The, I'm the OCD good. side of me, that bothers me yeah. more. So, um, man, it has mellowed out. You know, I'm not getting as much of that pepper and spice as I was when I first lit it up, which is kind of nice, you know. Here's what I can do. Now let's settle in and take a trip. It's all right. I, I don't know. I'm anxious to get a little deeper into it and see, you know, because, you know, it's a seven. So we're both both still five and a half inches left of this cigar. Right. So it. Um, I'm interested to see how it develops on out through the cigar and all. But anyway, moving forward. I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore the joke I know ran through your head. That's okay. Cool. Cigar clowns, the Ronald by AJ. Oh, we're Fern- jumping to that first. Okay, cool. By AJ Fernandez, set for latest LCA release. Okay, there is so much to unpack in this. First of all, the latest LCA release. Have you ever heard of the first LCA release? Never. What is so? It's it's a limited cigar association. I've been around this industry for 16 years. I've never heard of it. And we've been doing a podcast where we're knee-deep in news. I've never heard of the LCA. And Cigar Clowns. That's a terrible name. And I'm I'm just, I'm so confused. I I can understand. I don't hate it. I I really don't. Oh, I hate it. I don't think it's great. But the right person, the right marketing, the right blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I can see how that works. Until you see that they call it the Ronald. So, of course, I'm thinking clowns and Ronald. Like, all I can expect is that the box that I receive is not going to be the one I ordered, and I'm going to have to deal with a pimply kid to get it fixed. Well, first and foremost, clowns are creepy. Clown. I don't have an issue with clowns. Oh, I have I have issues with clowns. I do not care for clowns. I I'm fi- with the exception of John Wayne Gacy. I'm kind of okay on the clown <laughs> thing. Who, whoever decides for their now the exception being rodeo clowns. Rodeo clowns are okay, but every other kind of clown under the sun. Birthday, you know, superheroes, sad clowns, sad clowns the worst. Sad clowns are the worst. Uh, yeah. Every other kind of clown I could do without. And horror movie clowns. Don't care nothing for horror movie clowns. I don't care nothing for horror movies in general. No. So that's... But, so it's a 6x50 Toro, but it is made by A.J. Fernandez. So you got my attention. So this is like The Ranch for me on Netflix. Okay. Well, the, on Netflix, The Ranch. I have my unbridled hatred for Ashton Kutcher and my unbridled love for Sam Elliott smacked together and flung at me like a like like it's coming from the hand of a gorilla at a zoo i have those two opposite factors flung at me that's that's your unstoppable force and immovable object yeah two, two more opposite sides of masculinity have never been presented 
than than you know Sam Elliott, the great Sam Elliott, and the terrible, horrible, can't believe he's a star Ashton Kutcher. And uh, so, you know, this is like that because it's like okay, this is a dumb name for a cigar. This is somebody I've never heard of before, but it's made by AJ. So yeah. now at eleven and a quarter for a Toro. Well, that's a little steep. For it's a, not that bad. That's for I mean, an unproved AJ. That's becoming normal. I mean, you know, that's a twelve dollar stick, and that's the size I smoke. So, I, I mean, that that part doesn't bother me. I am curious though. So, July fourth, nope, June fourth, a month earlier, um, it's going on sale. I'm curious how many limited cigar association retailers there are. You know, somebody that did a podcast would have looked that up beforehand. <laughs> No, but well, such is our commitment. But I, I was well, I turned can, off I can from tell the you word that clown. they distribute in Norway. Oh, well, absolutely! I had planned a trip to Norway the other day. I was I was planning to go smoke with the at the Lord of the Rings set. But anyway, so the cigar clown AJ Fernandez, the jury's out. Now, what are you going to do if this is a great cigar? Yeah, that's a good. I mean. But that's your issue with limited releases in general anyway. Oh, yeah. By and large, that's why I don't smoke a lot of limited releases for that very reason. Because it's like, okay, what if it is the greatest cigar I ever smoked? How much pain is it going to be to pick up another one? Right. And also, uh, the jury is out on this. Limitedcigars.com, which is their website, has a coming soon splash page. This is just getting worse and worse by, like, by the minute. This, this, this... Speaks of a slow day at Half Wheel. Well, and that's the thing. <laughs> if you Google Limited Cigar Association, the number one Google hit is the article we're talking about. Yeah. So, okay. By the, so before we move on with the show, i got to pull the show over. Look out the window behind you and see how Partagas is just sitting in that chair. That dog's name is Partagas. I didn't <laughs> know that. Yeah. He, he got up. Uh, he? Yeah, he he got up there as I was walking in and just sitting, just proud as punch. Sitting by his owner, just proud as he can be. Only a dog would do that. All you cat people out here, listen to me. Only a dog would do that. Sit loyally by his master while he puffs on a cigar. What's with the cat hate? I hate cats with a passion. Cats and clowns. (laughs) This starts with C-A, it's already in a hole in my life. How do you spell clowns? <laughs> CL. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so, but it's cute. It's very cute sitting here looking out the window and seeing Partagas sitting there. You know, his owner, Jeff, sitting there smoking his cigar, just as peaceful, and Partagas is just being good company. That's a good name for a dog. You don't, you don't get that from any other animal in the world besides dog. He couldn't have a baboon out there sitting next to him. <laughs> well, the guy that was in the chair before that. <laughs> It's pretty close. But anyway, (laughs) all right, so let's talk about Father's Day. Father's Day is coming up, going to be here a couple of weeks. This is it this weekend or next weekend? It's the 20, it's two weekends from now. Two weekends from now. And so everybody talks about it. So our standard advice for Father's Day, don't buy him cigars. Right. Buy him a gift card or just buy him a lighter that that he would like or a cutter that he would like or something like that. Don't buy him, but if if you're if you're determined, dead set on to getting him something cigar related, I'm going to put that caveat as well. There, it's we talk about this all the time, rarely on the show, most of the time afterwards. But it's one part of your life does not constitute a personality. You know, you and I both, you know, cigars make up a large part of our lives, but 
with with the exception of my wife's coworkers, no one knows me as the cigar guy. Sure. You know, there's, there's just so much more to it than that. So, if you know, if, if you're dead set on getting your dad something cigar related, go for it. Right. But you know, but it, it, it's not it's not the only thing he's interested. I guarantee it. Don't get him cigars. Yeah. He would much rather pick his own cigars. Mm-hmm. And unless you are really well versed in cigars and know, or unless you, he has, he's a monogamous smoker, right? And you know, okay, a box of Africa would do him for a while, and that would be a great gift, right? And all, but cigar aficionado, twenty twenty one Father's Day gift guide. So this is what I love about cigar aficionado. He says ironically, they always get these gifts that I can't think of a single father that would like. Would your father like truff hot sauce? I, I knew you weren't going to skip over this one. I've had this. It's really good. Oh, <laughs> no. Sausage on a spool. That one is just hilarious to me. Uh, could you imagine spooling that up in your 3D printer? Because <laughs> that's exactly what that looks like to me. Yeah. A, a sausage on a spool. $45 of, of artisanal sausage, too. Like, that's not much sausage. That's not a lot of sausage. It doesn't fill the... I guarantee it's 11 you this, and a half feet of sausage. The spool is about the, probably the size of what comes off of your, your strand fishing line. Right. <laughs> and <I'll, laughs> Four um, feet of braided fishing line. We're, we're not going to run down. Now, they do have the Andre Garcia cigar case. Mm-hmm. That's always good. I, I, can't com- I can't fault them for that. A nice I love cigar that braided case. leather. That's... That's their yeah. lattice, I guess. Got a great look. El Casco pencil sharpener. How many pencils are you sharpening that you need a $325 pencil sharpener? And if you are a pencil a pencil sharpening aficionado, do you not already own a good pencil sharpener? Right. And let me tell you, the old ones that sit in our school when I was a child, they Cannot were indestructible. Be yeah. You yeah, know, I have they, put many a Ticonderoga through those. Oh, they absolutely. And I'll game improvement irons from Wilson. No, thank you. How much does that say about you if that's the gift you receive? If your kids are like, I know you like golf, but you suck. Right. <laughs> we're we're going to get you that. We're, we're going to get you some clubs so that you don't cuss so much. Big green egg? Oh, but, you, you skipped one I wanted to talk about. Okay. Because I want to get on a soapbox a little bit. All right. We'll climb up there. Rydell. They are a famous glass maker. They make... Uh, they make uh, wine glasses, most notably, and they are responsible for the biggest lie in the wine industry, which is that you need a different shape of glass for each different grape. It's baloney. It's horse cookies. It, it does not affect anything whatsoever. And now they have come out with gin and tonic glasses, supposedly to make your gin and tonic taste better because it's out of this specific shape. Stop it. People, stop giving Rydell your money. It's pointless. They are making it up. It doesn't. It doesn't do a thing. So the big green egg. I feel better. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> you you look relieved. So the big green egg. Let's talk about the big green egg for a minute. Love mine. The big green egg is not going to make a novice barbecuer great. No. You're going to have to have a certain amount of skill going into the use of the big green egg. Although I've got to say, uh, it didn't take me long. I only ruined two butts before I figured it out. Because, but I also think it depends on what barbecue means to you. Sure. I'm a dry rope guy. I don't sit there and slather on barbecue sauce the whole time it's on the smoker. 
I think that's a waste of perfectly good barbecue sauce. Uh, I, so you, you get a good dry rub, you slap it on your meat, and then you put it on, the, and then you just don't fool with it. You know, figuring out the dampers. Yeah, I did that on purpose. Thank you. Uh, you know, there are they, they make little trinkets and things you can do them that make it a little bit easier. But ultimately, once you figure out how to control the dampers to, to keep your temp, it, it's a it's really not that hard. Right, but that's not a novice gift. True. It, I will say also though, it is one of the hardest grills to grill on. Oh, yeah. For smoking, for baking. I'm, bread is amazing out of the egg. To actually just use it as a grill is a pain. So, jumping away from aficionado, I'm moving us along here. All right. Because aficionado... Most I've got too of, many feelings on the things on the aficionado. Most of, of aficionado stuff is way out of reach of what the average person would want to spend. And all. There are very few things. Before you run down this list, I want to just point out, fifteen father. the title of the article is 15 Father's Day Gifts Cooler Than a Tie. People still getting their dad's ties? Who wears a tie anymore? They're setting the bar low. Yeah. But, and okay, my other complaint with this article. Is that first picture? The first picture is barbecue claws next to a brisket. <laughs> Sliced brisket. Sliced brisket. <laughs> Okay, those that doesn't really and it's and it's not even a barbecued brisket. That is sitting that's that's a roast. Yeah. That's just but now I will say I have a set of barbecue claws. I love my barbecue claws. There are cheap barbecue claws and there are good barbecue claws. And these look to be pretty good, but it definitely makes a difference. It's one of the few things I say, spend the extra money. You will get what you pay for. Oh, absolutely. Um, of course, the Cigar Rest Whiskey Glass, that's that's a great gift. Is it, though? Oh, yeah. And all, you got a place to rest your cigar. You can put your drink there. But in that photo, they're showing a Robusto sitting lovely on its little perch, un, unlit. The second you light that, you've got about four minutes before the ash gets to the point where it's sitting on the glass. So you're going to get this weird condensation, and it's going to... Uh, it's great for that photo that you're going to post on Instagram before you get started, but that's about it. Still a cool gift. And, I'll, and you know, they... So, okay, the other thing... The two other things that stood out to me on this list that are great gifts. Hydro Flash 64-ounce growler. Absolutely. I have one. I love it. They keep hot, hot, cold, cold. They're worth every penny. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the Life Straw. I have the Life Straw. Do you have one of those? I have a Life Straw, and I love my Life Straw. I've never had to use it, but I know if I ever needed to, it's there in my bug-out bag. And what it is, it's a straw that you can stick in a mud puddle and drink, and it'll filter out the water. I may have to borrow that when I go to Mexico this year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely wonderful. But by and large, you know, Father's Day, um, dads get a lot of junky gifts. (laughs) They do. You know, dads tend to get a lot of really junky gifts. They get a lot of good gifts. But by and large... Um, and you know what? You were, where I think this comes from is that Mother's Day, we're all conditioned that you, you take her out to lunch, you buy some flowers and a card, and you're good. You're done. I mean, yes, there are Mother's Day gifts and things like that. But by and large, kind of everybody has just gotten on board with take her out to a nice meal and buy her some flowers. Right. Well, we, you know, dads don't like flowers, or at least that's what we're told. 
And so the only benefit is a, a gift, but it's not a real holiday. So you're not going to spend $40 or $100 on a Father's Day gift. So you right. end up with monogram golf tees and weird stuff like that. Right, the fish tie. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's I think it's just a um I think it's just kind of a weird uh, uh, um what's the word I'm looking for? Bermuda's triangle of gift giving. But let's talk about that. So on my fishing trip. So this fishing trip's been going on a long time. And we have a lot of fathers and sons there. You know, we had four or five generations of fathers and sons sitting on the river together last week. Right. And as you watch the generations, it's very different how their lives, you know, um, during the Depression, part of my family moved to Michigan to work at the auto plants. Mm -hmm. And and my father was actually born in Detroit, Michigan because of that. And then his, his family moved back to Tennessee. Well, obviously some of them stayed up there. And then when the manufacturing moved to Spring Hill with the Saturn plant, some of them moved back. So we have some a lot of UAW GM workers in my family. So your family was from this area mm-hmm. originally? Okay. I didn't, going back many generations, I right. didn't know that. Yeah, going back many generations, they were from Tennessee. Okay. And then they, when during the Depression, when work was slim, they said, hey, there's jobs in Michigan, and a lot of them moved up there for those jobs. Gotcha. That's better than what my family did, which was became bootleggers. <laughs> well, there was some of that, too. <laughs> but the, generationally, there was a lot of fathers there, and really sitting and talking to the different people there, you know, my father was very successful in life. He worked very hard to be very successful in life. It didn't come easy. He never graduated high school. But he worked very hard, and he's had been very successful in his life. And sitting there talking to him, I asked him the question. Me and Dad, we were sitting there on the banks. We was in between fishing trips. We just finished breakfast, and you don't finish breakfast and jump in the boat and go fishing. No, you got to let it settle. Take Together, your morning nap. Or your cigar. Yeah. So I just lit up an underground tin, and I'm sitting there, and me and my father had a few moments, just the two of us. And I said, so do you think it's more difficult to grow up? with a successful father or a not successful father. Now, everybody out there went the same place, including you, and I'm going to head that off at the pass by your definition of success. That's not where I was going. Okay. Well, most people, the first thing they say is, what do you define as successful? But I'm heading that off. But whatever definition you use for success, whether it's monetary, whether it's family, whether it's grandchildren, whether it's whatever, whatever happens to be your definition of success is it more difficult on a young man to grow up with a very successful father or a less successful father? I, I don't think there's one. I, I know you hate it when I do this. I don't think there's one answer to this. I think this comes down to the... There are some people that the quickest way to get them to do something is to tell them it can't be done. For those people, I think growing up with an unsuccessful father creates a a roadmap for what not to do and drives success. Then there are others still who see a successful father as a roadmap for what to do, and they follow that to success. So I, I really think, I think by and large, if, if you take it all the way down to some of the things that we know, I think ultimately it's better to be the product of a successful parent. I'm going to say parent mother or father, I think doesn't really matter because if someone is more financially successful, they're going to be more available 
uh, for things like emotional support, vacations, or just time? Not necessarily. By and large. No, you look at, you know, I, I posed this question to the group before you got here. There was five or six of us sitting around there, and one of the guys said, well, my father was very successful, but he never took me fishing because work always come first. Again, you know, but that goes that goes back to what your definition of success is. You know, is work in your life a fire that always needs tending? and Or is work in your life a means to an end? I also think that is changing. You know, I think the the world of, you know, you know, your your father making half a million dollars a year, but you only see him on Christmas if you're lucky. I, I don't think people are working that way anymore. Well, that was one of the interesting things I observed at the river with the factory guys. You know, their fathers worked and their father never missed an opportunity for an overtime shift. Mm-hmm. But the younger guys, the next generation down, they're at the point now where they're like, okay, I can do this overtime shift, but Junior's got a t-ball game. Exactly. I'm not going to miss Junior's t-ball game to go stamp out another 23 hubcaps. Yeah, and, and I think if we're, if we're looking at it from a modern lens of kind of our generation as being the parents and the generation that we're raising, or even looking back at the life we were raised in, you know, uh, yeah, I think I think gone are the days of the absentee parents, and I think because there's so much more, and I'm, this is counterintuitive, but because divorce is no longer so taboo, parents that stay together are together because they want to be, and by and large, that's a better environment for the kids. And how do you, and and if one of the parents is constantly on the road doing nothing but making money and shipping at home but not actually tending that garden then then other things are going to fall through the cracks than just your relationship with your kids so i think in general i think i think we're seeing more and more people who are tending to the emotional needs of their families by not taking the extra overtime shifts and i think that i i think a, a better paying job tends to, it's not a hard and fast rule, but tends to give you more of those opportunities to spend time with your kids. And that's why I say, yeah, growing up with a successful parent who takes that success and and pours it back into family life, but also gives you a roadmap for how to make decisions, not necessarily follow directly in my footsteps and, and take over the family business. But, you know, these are the types of decisions I make. These are this is how I make the decisions that lead to the better. I, I think that's I think that's a better environment. Is it harder on a son that has a successful father that feels like he has to live up to that degree of success? Yes. In in my experience, because but, because you're I mean I, I'll 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 pull the veil off. That's exactly the situation I find myself in. Oftentimes, you know, the majority of my twenties were spent. Well, in a liquor bottle, but <laughs> most, but outside of that, um, trying to live up to the image of my dad that I had in my head. My dad is, was, and will always be incredibly successful, and he does that by working hard and by being really intelligent and making good decisions and and by treating people well. You'd be amazed how much success comes down to just treating people well. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of, 
you know, um, there, what's the word I'm looking for? Not turmoil, but there, there's a lot of pressure in, in trying to live up to that if you're the kind of person who's wired that way. Well, and it does come, it, there is wiring, but it is also, did your father raise you that way? You know, there, there is a certain amount. You know, my father did a great job with me, as you all know. My father, it's obvious to everybody that's, but my father did a great job because my father taught me to prioritize. He said, hey, son, I'm not going to be there every time you strap on a tuba and go out there and march on that field. But if it's important and it's a game you want me to be at, you tell me and I'll move heaven and earth to be there. Now, I have obligations to work. I have obligations to your mother. I have obligations to your brother and sister. So I would like you to establish that priority for me. Yeah. And um, that was one of the great gifts he gave me in life because it gave me the ability to establish priorities in all aspects of my life. It, it's teaching boundaries. And I think that's the th- that's a, it's a word that I don't think our parents ever heard growing up. But it's, it's, it's come to the forefront in the last, you know, five, ten years. Everyone's talking about boundaries, whether it's family life, whether it's extended family, in-laws, work, whatever it is. And that's... And I think anything our parents do to help us determine what a healthy boundary looks like, how to set them, um, I think those are are lessons that we don't realize we're learning. They, they make a big difference, you know, and it's, it is money helps. Okay. No doubt money helps. The wise use of money helps more. Exactly. You can, you know, it's, it's not, it's not what you have. It's what you can do with what you have. Absolutely. You know, my father in 1990 bought us a brand new vision bass boat and all 300 horse mercury on the back, top of the line boat, beautiful, beautiful boat. It was dad's dream boat. And he bought it to share of his family. And in, at the time he bought it, it was like $20,000, which is a large amount of money to pay for a boat. And all in that time, it was a huge amount of money to pay for a boat, but he bought, he bought the boat. And I will say that investment paid off for him in so many facets of life. You know, right. I've, I'm 45 years old. I've never been drunk. I've never touched an ounce of weed. I've never had a drug go into my system. And a lot of that was due to the fact that I was fishing. Yeah. I wasn't chasing out Friday nights till one or two in the morning because at three I was getting up to go fishing. Right. And and how often have you said, I don't want to be 70 years old wishing I had one more opportunity to go fishing with my dad? You, Absolutely. Anytime it comes up, you take it. And that's part of what you've established. Yeah. So that, you know, to say money, you know, money is not success. It's a portion of success. It Again, it, it certainly helps. You know, the... You, the difference between a household bringing in $30,000 a year and $100,000 a year is far greater than the difference between the household bringing in $100,000 a year and the household bringing in a million dollars a year. Like, you oh, reach definitely. a certain point where... A point of diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah and it's... Um it was really interesting because his dad and I sat there and discussed that on the riverbank. We were talking about, you know, his father, um, you know, in the lens of my father's eyes, his father was very successful. But if I compare his father's success to his success, it's not even remote. Right. And uh, it gave me a different perspective on my father and my grandfather because you, the lens, it's all in the lens. You know, 
comparison is a theft of joy. You're going to lose joy if you start comparing. Yeah. But it was really interesting to just to have that time with him and sit there and talk about this topic. That's why I wanted to bring it up on the podcast because um, you can't really compare. You know, if I compare where my father was when he was 45 to where I am at 45, it's totally different. Now, my father, from a fiscal standpoint, was way ahead of where I am. Right. But from a enjoying every moment of life standpoint, and I'll, I'm way ahead. Yeah. But I, I think... See, I'm still playing catch-up on both those fronts, but I know I'll get there. <laughs> well, you get there. But you have to enjoy life, and you have to... And I think the less comparison you do contributes directly to that. Yeah, no, you, you said it exactly right. You know, comparison is the thief of joy. And, and I think... And, and I think... But I also know that that is a lesson I learned from my dad. You know, we didn't do a lot of keeping up with the Joneses or comparing, you know, our struggles with others or anything like that. And I think that's a good lesson to learn. Well, and the saddest thing I see is, you know, one of my protégés, his father is still in competition with him. Mm -hmm. And it strains their relationship. It strains what they're able to do together. It strains what, because they're still, so... If you're a father, don't be in competition with your sons or your daughters or your dog or your neighbor. <laughs> you yeah. Know. No, that's that's a really good lesson. You know, competi- competition is good in the stuff that it creates, but it's not something that should become part of your soul. Right. And I especially don't think that competition between parents and children is ever a good thing. You know, in, unless you're talking about playing one-on-one in the in the driveway, that's different. But comparing lives and stuff like that, it's one thing to try and live up to your parent, but it's another as a parent to constantly being feeling like you're being outshadowed. That's not that means you did your job correctly. If your if your child is outperforming you by some measure, that means you did well. But if they're not, it doesn't mean you did poorly. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, we are, you know, we're responsible for the sum total of our own actions at the end of the day. It, the, to, to put a bow on it, to put a bow on it in the neatest way that I know how. Um, one of the proudest moments in my life wasn't a moment. It was noticing something happening. When, you know, my father was in the building business in Columbia for 30-something years. Everybody in Columbia knew my father. And, of course, I'm in the house plan business, so for the first 15 years of my career, people were saying, oh, yeah, that's Larry's son, Shane. He'll draw plans for you. That's Larry's son, Shane. He'll do this for you. That's Larry's son. When it became, hey, that's Shane. Oh, he's Larry's son. That was one of the most proud, one of the proudest moments of my life was when I noticed that that, the paradigm had shifted. Now I was Shane. You just happened to be Larry's son. Your value is no longer determined by relational standards. Yeah, so just just to put a bow on it, that's really how I feel about it. I think that that's one thing. If you're thinking about Father's Days, is one of the things you really ought to ponder when you're talking, thinking about your father. Yeah, and, all. and I think a cigar is built for that. I think so too. Cigars and ponderance go together. But okay, let's let's wrap it up. Media tempo. I'm gonna let you go first on this. Five and a quarter. See, I'm going six. You're going six. I really, I really dig it. I, I, it's it's good, not great. It's well, I shouldn't even say that. It's better than average, but it's not great. It it definitely starts out better than it finishes. I will give you that. But even still, you know, what, what's the what's the price on this? It's like nine or ten bucks. Yeah. See that? I mean, 
that's a that's a lot of cigar for that price, and it's a lot of good cigar for that price. It is excellent value. Cigar yeah. for the dollar, it is is it is excellent. But um, yeah, it's it's better than average. Yeah, I guess that's a, that's about as good as I can make it. I'm, I'm gonna say that's that's really good bordering on great. All right. So how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigar cast or on Instagram and Twitter at the cigar cast. And you can reach us via email at info at the cigar cast.com. Well, thank you everybody for listening this week until next week. Have a great cigar and think well of us.